0: Welcome to the Film Comment podcast. I'm Devika Girish, co deputy editor of Film Comment, and I'm calling in from the sunny shores of Cannes. Over the course of the 2022 festival, as news of standing ovations and walkouts, raves and pans, spit takes and hot takes flood the feed, the Film Comment crew will be reporting on all the cinematic goings-on at the cross-set, with dispatches, interviews and podcasts. So make sure to subscribe to both the Film Comment letter and podcast, and keep tuning in every day for more. Welcome to the final episode of Film Comments Can podcast. I think we've done about 10 so far. So the factory has been grinding on and we're finally here for the finale. We've been watching a lot of movies and actually the last couple days have ended up quite productive and thrown up some highlights. So I'm really glad to be wrapping the festival with a very special roundtable of guests today. I'm going to ask them to introduce themselves. Antoine, why don't we start with you?
1: Uh, yes, uh, I'm Antoine Thirion, I'm a film programmer at Cinema du Réal and other the festivals and I I am occasionally a film critic now.
0: Uh,
1: I worked at Cahiers du Cinema and in a magazine called Independencia some time ago.
0: And is this your first appearance on the Film Comment podcast?
1: Uh, it's my first time, yeah. Yay. Thank you for having me.
0: Okay, special debut. And then Jean-Michel.
2: Hello, I'm Jean-Michel Frodon, I'm a film critic and journalist, I'm also a professor. I covered the Cannes Festival uh, for uh, the online media slate.fr plus a few other uh, foreign magazine. This is my 40th Cannes Film Festival in a row. So I'm still there.
0: Wow. Well, definitely excited to hear about your 40th Cannes. Uh, and Jean-Michel you're you're a regular now. You were on the podcast just I, a few weeks ago. I,
2: it is my ambition to become a regular.
0: Oh. <laughs> Well, we're off to a good start. And our next guest is also kind of a regular now.
3: Kind of. I don't think, I think 40 is more than Antoine and me put together, possibly. How many have you done? Maybe 12. I've done like 16 or 7. Close. Very close to you, two combined, but not quite. Um, I'm I'm Dennis Lim. I'm also a lapsed critic. I used to come here as a critic, but now I'm the uh, artistic director of the New York Film Festival. And I'm here mainly as a programmer this year.
0: right. Well, thank you all for joining us. And I should just let listeners know that we are sipping wine to celebrate the end of the festival. So if if you feel a sort of degradation in the quality of our ideas or cogency or elevation in our articulation, you know why. So I wanted to start by talking about the film that I think most of us saw today that just premiered today that was, uh, you know, weirdly the Many people's, including mine, most anticipated film of the festival and ended up playing like at the very end, and that is Kelly Reichert's showing up. I absolutely loved it. I know this table we have here is a is a showing up love fest. Maybe Jean-Michel, you wanted to start off by telling us a little about the film and what you thought of it.
2: So the new film by Kelly Reichert is uh, a kind of. Uh, Hardly uh, displaced self-portrait uh, among a community of art- artists in Portland. Uh, the main character, female character, uh, she's doing clay statues, uh, small clay statues, and uh, she, but she has a very uh, tense life and doesn't relate well with. Uh, I can say no one around her Including her cat or uh, <laughs> uh, who, whoever For sometimes good reasons Sometimes uh, really mini, minimal uh, reasons She overblows permanently But but uh, f- with her two parents separately With her brother, with uh, her neighbor uh, And she's inhabited by a kind of... Uh, Absence of easiness in her relation to, to to the world, which uh, generates uh, a tense relation for us the viewers uh, to mostly average situation where nothing especially dramatic is happening, but which create a an atmosphere incredibly uh, sensitive and modulated. It's it's like uh, I don't know music. Uh, played with a uh, soft instrument, uh, something that would remain in the middle towns, not not going uh, extreme direction, but that uh, builds a, a really uh, moving and disturbing, and uh, it's because it's, at the same time, it's sweet, and there is an under uh, under the skin violence uh, present at the time with no specific reason but which is very, very present. I am a bit, uh, yeah, are we finished with that, but uh, uh, worried about how the film can be welcomed uh, here in Cannes, especially at the end of the festival. It, it, it would be inter- interesting to revisit the whole festival with a group of films which are more atmospheric films, that storytelling films in the regular uh, mm-hmm. sense uh, with a dramatic uh, climax and this kind of thing. We've seen several, yeah. and which are, to my view, among the best. And this one is maybe the best of the best, but um, which I doubt is at the right, place to be welcome as it deserves in a place like uh, the Cannes Festival.
3: I think that's an interesting point. Um, you know, when we talk about programming, we don't always talk about sequencing. And I think that's something that um, for those of us who experience this festival from beginning to end as a kind of narrative, it it makes a big difference when you see something. Um, and yeah, I was thinking about that, too, how a film like this would be received here and just scrolling through some of the early reviews and like tweets or whatever, it's it, it's sort of like what I expected because, you know, this, this recurring, a very lazy, I think, critical refrain of calling this film subtle, small, modest, slight, low key, like all the minor, all the words that are often used um, in relation to... Kelly's films and films like it. And I what I really love about this film is its self-reflexivity. It is about what it what it is to be a so-called minor artist. You know, and I think that's what's really beautiful and brilliant and moving about it. Um shit's yeah, like Jean-Michel was saying, it is it is it is a self-portrait. Um barely disguised. I mean Kelly also you know, she teaches, she works in an art school, so this is a world she knows intimately, um, Which she, and she, you know, portrays it with a great deal of affection but also has some fun with it. Films about artists get so many things wrong, I think. And this is a film about the day-to-day, mundane, this <laughs> is the mundane day-to-day realities and indignities of carrying out an artistic practice in America today. And I think that I think Kelly's films are all about like what it means to live in America today, um, and you know even if they're set in the past, I think they refer to to, to the present. Um, and yeah, I think it's one of her one of her great films. I, I really I, I really love it. And I have to say, I'm a little annoyed by that that, I, that what I anticipated this framing of the film as small, minor turned out to be true because it's so it's so lazy. I mean, the film the film addresses that, and I think there's something quite condescending. And maybe, you know, more than a bit sexist about calling a film like this
1: minor. No, no, I think you're completely right. I'm I'm more and more impressed by what she's doing. Uh, So maybe I would not feel that it's minor at all because it's really self-reflexing, self-reflexive. It's talking about art and everything. But what struck me is maybe coming at the end of the festival is I, I was... As I mentioned many times, I'm like, uh, really bothered by, annoyed by the earnestness of many films here, uh, of many first films in particular, of the um, um, semblance of care that every film is uh, providing. And suddenly I have like a genuine kindness in a film, uh, even though the character is not particularly uh, endearing uh but there is something very beautiful in what's happening to her what's happening to her brother at the end uh the whole last sequence with the bird is uh is sort of uh is sort of amazing but yeah i thought a, a lot about that like uh like about kindness uh in narratives uh in films here uh that made me cherish a lot of uh very mean or perverse movies like uh Osloons or uh, deplechons, uh, maybe a little bit too much, but suddenly, like it, for me, it makes sense that this arrives at the end. It's very gracious and it's very, um, yeah. I think it's very, it's a very impressive uh, new film.
0: Yeah, I really agree with uh, this idea that it is a film about being a minor artist. I mean, to me, it was like a film about both the courage and the impossibility of not making grand statements. With your art and what you're saying, Antoine, about kindness, for me, one of one recurring annoyance has been the attempt to make grand statements about life and politics and the world, and which is often done very clumsily, or you know, it it reveals a sense of self-importance. And I was really struck by the fact that this film features a lot of art. you know there's beautiful close-ups of various um, you know sculptures, uh, other kinds of mixed media art and it just it's a very tactile film. You see a lot of artists briefly or sometimes in close-up working on their objects and i thought that at some point the film would also give into like a discourse on art like you would hear them dropping references you would hear them discussing you know various philosophies of art and that never happens you know you just look at them making art they don't necessarily talk about it and i was just really struck by that because um i think that that is maybe a fantasy of films about art sometimes that art making involves all of that intellectual discourse and sometimes sometimes it's workmanlike or sometimes it's very instinctual um, and I was just so surprised I just didn't I didn't anticipate any turn in this film and every time I thought something bigger would happen it remained low-key and I just want to make sure to acknowledge um, Michelle Williams and Hong Chao. I mean Michelle Williams this Kelly's collaborator for such a long time just this is such a I she, You know, it it feels almost trite to say that she doesn't seem like a movie star. Um, But really, the way she embodies this beaten down artist, um, I was just very affected by even the little um, subtleties of her body language, the way she carries herself. She she has a slight hunch, you know, when she's walking. Um, And I thought it was a masterstroke to cast Hong Chao, who I've long felt as this excellent, underrated character actor. Yeah, as the superstar, I mean, relatively, you know, in a small town, like whatever counts as a superstar artist, but, you know, who's just cool and uh, confident and the source of great envy for Michelle Williams's character, but also there is a solidarity and a sorority between them. Um, I know, Dennis, you were also very moved by Michelle Williams's performance and
3: I think you put that well. I think the casting across the board is 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 kind of inspired. I I, I like that Hong Chao touched too and the other, you know, small performances like Judd Hirsch and and John Magro. Like I think you know I think Kelly's very good at, yeah yeah, uh, Andre Benjamin uh, and like just putting you know just all kinds of performers in 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 and in, into a film and like just keeping them on on her register. Uh, and yeah, I do think something. I, I like I like all of kelly's work um but I think that something special happens when she collaborates with uh with michelle williams you know it, it, i think her first film in Cannes, which I did see here was Wendy and lucy i think um you know it reminded me a bit of that too and i i i think it's you know it's a film that um um she's really good on class uh which very few american filmmakers are you know I think she's really good on, on like what it means to have or not have you know money and resources um and um the other thing i wanted to say about this film too is it is funny uh and you know it's it's a comedy. I think that really does work as a comedy. And Kelly has a, a wonderful sense of humor, um, as people who have heard her speak know. Um, she was here at the very beginning of the festival accepting a prize at the at, at, at the Cannes for the caras door that they give every year to a filmmaker. And she she had this incredible bit. I don't know if you covered this already in the yeah, podcast, but it. she you know, gave this wonderful you know, after this rather rather solemn ceremony of like presenting this award to her, this sort of grandiose like kind of setting she comes up and says and delivers what you think is this going to be the sort of sentimental story of like um you know this means so much to me when i was um, a teenager going off to college my mother you know gave me a book um um it was a book with like a woman holding a camera on the cover and she inscribed it like, you know, maybe one day, I don't know, one day you'll be like her or you'll, you'll learn something from her. And then she paused and then the whole thing was translated and then she said, uh, and the book was a biography, biography of Lenny Riefenstahl. So, I mean, that's like, you know, just perfect comic timing. Uh, and there's so much of that in the film too. And I think the beautiful humor in many of these performances, especially in Hong Chao's performance, which I think is just like, note perfect.
2: And the cats and the pigeon. Part of the pigeon is a fake pigeon. Is this so? It's animatronic. Yes.
0: Oh, yeah. There is a. Yeah, you heard it here first.
2: If you if you look at the titles, <laughs> only okay. uh, no, but uh, just one thing. to to address this notion of uh, minor film or, or low key, f- something which is for me absolutely obvious. Since the very beginning of the of the of the film of the screening is how much everything does exist on the screen opposite to films which are supposedly spectacular, mm-hmm. but actually the screen is void is like uh, there is nothing there there is just uh, fake uh, pixels uh, and here there is a materiality, a physicality, a body. Presence of humans, of animals, of—I uh, uh, agree with, with the cat at least—which <laughs> uh, is which enough. is which makes things uh, be there, uh, and it's much more intense. Uh, we were talking about kindness, but one uh, word we could refer to would be intensity, and this is very intense, even if there is no big event, obviously, uh, or no—I
1: don't know—crime or explosion or things like that. Yeah. um, I have in mind this whole journey of creation that she has when she's given the the pigeon uh, to take care of and she thinks that this pigeon is uh, uh, annoying her and uh, preventing her from uh, doing her work and then she welcomes... her neighbor and the neighbor comes to see the sculpture and finds it beautiful. Mm. And at the end of this day of like very hard work and constant, uh, I don't know, constant uh, inattes- inattention, um, like something really beautiful happens. So what you were saying about like no discourse on art—it's mm. it's it's very—it's still very close to what a day of creation uh, means actually means. So yeah, I find it. Uh, really, really, really moving. And also, I really agree on this, uh, on what Jean-Michel says about, like, like the, the, the art is represented. It's crazy how much time she spends on, like, filming the drawings, filming the sculptures, like, many times, right. not only once. Uh, I'm
0: curious who created those objects. Do you know? It's, a,
1: it's in the end credits. I think they're in the credits. Um, well, I think there are different
3: artists. There's, um, I think, a, local, a Portland artist who does Michelle Williams sculptures, and then there's, a, I think it's a New York artist who does um, Hong Chow's. I think it's
2: the one she filmed. She made a documentary about a New York artist which was shown in Centre Pompidou. Uh, and I think she's, it's a woman artist and who who is also the, the one who made the the, um, those we see the other works, not not the main character, but the other one.
0: So uh, I think well, it's it two, it's two thumbs up uh, from from this table for Kelly Reichert. Uh, another it's film, fast. what? Eight yeah, times. eight thumbs up. <laughs> um, <laughs> another film I wanted to talk about in brief, since it was also something people were awaiting. It screened yesterday. I think Jean-Michel and I have seen it, which is Broker by Hirokazu Koreda. Um, it's Such a different film from this one. You know, we're talking about this being very minor and full of this effortless kindness and not making grand statements. I feel like, um, you know, Broker is completely opposite in that. It's trying to, you know, these big, it's a very big melodramatic tale, sort of what you expect from Koreeda at this point.
2: It's it's uh, I think way beyond uh, what you would have expected and feared uh, about Correia. I, l- I like several of Correia's films, not all all of them, and with this one, I, I really think he goes too far. He's pushing things he's been doing better. It's it, Shoplifter uh, was. More or less uh, the same pattern yeah. kept on an average level, which was much uh, easy to deal with. here you can see every every five minutes there is a new twist, which is just a script twist it 's just he had something or another uh, element of fiction that would decide that finally the cop will do that, this guy will do that, etc, which makes it really uh, problematic in terms of cinema. Plus, the fact that this is a film which is uh, anti-abortion. Uh, and I really doubt this is the right time to make mm-hmm. uh, this kind of statement, as yeah. it as it does uh, quite openly.
0: Well, uh, to, to summarize the film for listeners, I mean, it's, it's sort of impossible to summarize, but it's about uh, these two guys, one of them uh, played by Song Kang Ho, who... Um, are baby brokers, so they take babies that are abandoned in these uh, baby boxes, I guess established by churches where uh, mothers who don't think they can raise their children can abandon their babies and then they're placed into adoption. And these two men take the babies who don't have um, whose mothers have or parents have not left contact information because they are sent to an orphanage instead sort of given up for adop- uh, adoption. Um, and sell them to families who, for one or other reason, can't legally adopt um, and, you know, make money this way. And they, you know, find a baby abandoned by a young woman and try to sell it. And then she comes back. Turns out that she's a sex worker and she's embroiled in, you know, as... You were saying, John uh, uh, Ovi- uh, the twists mon- accumulate. No,
2: it's it's, uh, it's <laughs> impossible. It's, uh, it will take one hour yeah. to uh, to add all the the twists and all the the narrative, very plot which, which is yeah. which is building something, which is. Very small, but heavy. It's the exact opposite of the Kelly-Ray card. That, that's what, is, yeah. The result is so small with so many ingredients uh, brought in permanently. Yeah. Uh, opposite to uh, this such a simple story which opens and flourishes. Uh,
0: yeah. And, you know, I have heard a lot of people describe it as anti-abortion and pro-life, which obviously is on these issues are top of mind for a lot of people right now, given what's happening in America. Um I would hesitate to put those labels because there are cultural differences with respect to abortion. I'm not super familiar with how it is in Korea, but, you know, there's uh, different issues at play. Uh, You know, for instance, you know, in India, there's a different history with abortion because people are... Too ready to abort like a uh, female fetuses, for instance. So there's like a different discourse around that. But at the same time, I did find the film very conservative around women's bodies and uh, women's autonomy because neither is her this character's background as a sex worker really outlined in any interesting or empathetic way. You know, it's 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 really only used in service of a twist. And, you know, it turns out that she did something bad. I'm trying to be euphemistic. She committed a crime. And it it is made to appear as if the crime was justifiable because she was asked to get an abortion. And she's like, how dare you? You know, and so there are a lot of grand statements and arguments about the morals of aborting a child versus abandoning a child once you've had it versus, you know, who should be responsible for care- taking care of a child. And just this makeshift family thing that obviously he did with shoplifters too is moving, but now it's becoming very apparent how that does reaffirm very conservative ideas about families and familial yeah. roles which was and not nuclear the case, families. Sorry,
2: which was not yeah. the case in uh, Korea's previous right. films about family, right. which were on the opposite, uh, advocating that the best family is a made-up family where people gather for internal reason and not because they have the same blood and this was much more uh, stimulating uh, as an idea about family and in this case finally everybody uh, relates with his blood uh, origin uh, the mother uh, who did not do this uh, even the cops uh, have, have, have this kind of uh, uh, relation uh, and and also uh, regarding what you just said I'm not sure it has much to do with the Korean uh, culture. It's it's clearly an international product, mm. which is not about Korea or for Korea. Not only because uh, Korea is Japanese, not uh, and the situation are pretty different, but that it is designed for a kind of uh, it's playing with things that deserve. Better and more careful attention, more kindness—to so to to reuse uh, Antoine's uh, word—more kindness, uh, more, more, more kindness in the sense of just being sensitive to how people really uh, feel and react in whatever situation you you mention.
0: Yeah. I'm going to attempt a very clumsy segue from ties of blood. Mm-hmm. To the fabric of the human body. <laughs> you got to find the segue Excellent. wherever it comes. Yes, Okay, so another film that... Actually, it premiered a few days ago, but we just didn't get to it on the podcast, is the new film by Lucien Castang-Taylor and Verena Paravell. Um It's called... Thank you, John michel That's why we have you around. Uh, Antoine, I know you're a fan, so maybe you want to tell us a little bit about what the film is like and and what you thought of it?
1: Uh, The film is like, in some ways, a continuation of Leviathan in in the very... um, Kind of like circulation it creates uh, uh, between um, different worlds. Um, So, this is a film that they shot in several hospitals in the Parisian region uh, during many years. Uh, I think they had like lots of footage and they edited it for a very long time. But, um, um, in the same way that Leviathan was made with uh, GoPro cameras, here uh they ended up asking someone to create um a special camera for them which they call lip, uh um lipstick camera mm-hmm. uh which allows them to film inside the body uh and outside so the film is um made uh with those uh with this uh footage um and it mainly i think we all heard very gross uh, warnings about uh, the film before um, before we see it, and and my experience of watching it was like really among the most memorable I have in my whole uh, can, uh, same way as like *Tropical Melody* or these kind of uh, things. But it was really interesting to see how the the room was re- reacting uh, to to the film, and uh, like as expected, lots of people. Uh, left during the first uh, 15 minutes, uh, probably because not not because they felt uh, not because they felt brutalized, but I would say more because like they understand they understood all the the film asked them. Ask us to uh, express our limits. But, but beyond that point, uh, the film is actually quite uh, beautiful to watch uh, and quite uh it is quite a soft experience of watching uh bodies at every possible uh at every possible levels. And it's also very uh, it's also a very funny film, like it's a film that definitely plays on uh, like the relation with the audience and it's a film that's really full of uh humor um that's been quoted many times but like when a surgeon uh, calls a certain operation or organ very abstract uh that becomes like very very uh, yeah very funny <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah it's hilarious <laughs> no no I think it's funny i think it's it's funny to describe it as as funny but it is. <laughs> I mean, there is. I there is a there's a playfulness actually to the filmmaking uh, that I really appreciated in the film. I, I should confess that I watched the film before Cannes, um, and I I went back even though I had a schedule conflict just to watch part of it because I wanted to see it with like a large audience and was was glad to see a responsive audience, responsive in all ways. <laughs> um, you know, which 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 is always great. The theorist. Um, Linda Williams has this term called the body genre, where she talks about films that mean to elicit like a physical response in you. And she's talking about like either ho- like horror or you know that makes you afraid, or comedy or pornography that means to arouse you, yeah. Or mel- and she was writing it in the context of melodrama that makes you cry. Um, but I I thought of just this idea of like re- responding to your film to a film bodily, uh, and and this film. Did that? I, I think you know. Not since um, I, I thought it was funny it, screen, it screened the same day as the new David Cronenberg film. But like, not since like the 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 great Cronenberg films have I experienced a film that I responded to both viscerally and cerebrally at the same time, intellectually and viscerally. And I think the film is a rare film that does that. What Antoine was talking about, just use the cameras that go in and out, and, and this movement inside. And out out of the body uh, is something that that's I think handled um, with great you know uh, intelligence in the film. Um, this movement between like just abstraction, there's this long stretches where you do not know what you're looking at, and it's uh, and it's almost like this strange epistemological thing where suddenly it snaps into like you do realize that what you're seeing is uh, a part of the human body, an organ, something you have, um, and and um, yeah, I, I, I also think this is um, you know, exactly the kind of film that, that, that we should be seeing more of, uh, in, especially in, in, in sections like the director's fortnight. I think it was great that they programmed it this year.
0: You're listening to the Film Comment Podcast. I know Jean-Michel also likes it, so I'd like to interject with with some naysaying so that the, you can then, you know, tear me apart. I, I, I mean, I do like this film very much. I think it's really, really rich, one of the more intelligent films in the lineup. I think I liked it less than I was hoping to, and so um, that's why it left me a little cold. Uh, it's interesting, Dennis, you bring up like body genres and you know, I'm very squeamish and very sensitive to gore. So I went in really afraid to the this one and to the Cronenberg. And, you know, I always go in afraid um, with these films, but also like very excited because they leave me like shaken bodily in a way that like it doesn't happen often, you know, in cinema. Um, and I just <laughs> was very surprised that I uh, did not wince that much. I didn't find it th- that it affected me that much on the level of the body. I did find a lot of things very surprising. I mean, for me, the funny moment was when they put a, someone's swollen prostrate in a drawstring bag, which just looks like a pouch that you might, like, you know, carry around to put, like, anything in. And, uh, you know, those sorts of things were really funny, and I, I had no idea what a prostrate looks like, and I had no idea what a lot of internal organs look like. Um, I think... What maybe disappointed me a little bit was that I thought that the cinematography and in general, the formal language of the film was not as rigorous as I expected or not as intentional as I expected. I was hoping that this the self-evident you know, effects of watching the body up close or from the inside would be, would, um, that the form of the film would play with that in some way, would either exacerbate it or, you know, do something strange with it. And I thought that it was pretty transparent, the cinematography. So it felt almost plain to me in a way that I didn't expect from them. And I think that's maybe why I didn't react as strongly to what could be called body horror. Uh, But I wasn't horrified enough. And yeah, and I, I felt like the movement inside and outside was interesting, but also maybe a little... Trite. There is a beautiful scene in the opening of the film where you see through sort of a glass door or window, uh, I think, someone tending to, you know, a patient, and it's you see someone's reflection and you see them slightly blurred, so you can sort of see... The body, but you also see other layers of the image, and you hear voice. And that I was so excited when that shot unfolded because that's the sort of thing I was expecting more distancing or more sorts of layers imposed by cinema on what I was seeing. And I thought that was somehow lacking, even though, again, you know, I've seen a lot of films at this festival, and this was one of the better ones.
2: But I, I to, to, to me, this is. Um, it's not a question of best film or whatever, but this is the most mind changing film of the whole selections of the the festival that with the proposals that uh, addresses so many of the our uh, preconceived notion including those you've been describing about your expectation about why should it be horrific Uh, we are made with these uh, components we see on screen and I think the film uh, drives us to circulate with our reluctance our so called natural reluctance to look at blood to look inside the body to look inside the, the, the flesh and everything and circulating with this notion that it has to do with the body in the common sense of the human uh, single body, but it has to do with the hospital as a body itself. It has to do with several body bodies incorporated one into the, the other on, on many, many levels, and it is... Uh, uh, inviting to this kind of uh, circulation, which is actually I have to say more a little bit more complex than what has been described, because the lipstick camera films outside the body, it never gets inside and connects with the uh, visual apparatus medical uh, apparatus, which is the one and they, there is a huge editing work which explicitly wants to avoid what you said you works. Possibly expecting uh, to create this kind of, of continuities and to, as Leviathan did, but with totally different uh, means and, and another, uh, because the Leviathan was addressing the monocular vision, and and the anthropic vision, the u- the human vision, and and trying to, and not trying, uh, succeeding to to to. Uh, um, propose a more multiple and not only human and and not monocentric vision. This one is uh, much more questioning the circulation between the inside and the outside, not only of the human body, uh, and also uh, displacing uh, our uh, pre-established patterns, including those built by, uh, by horror movies. It is not a horror movie, and it is not uh, meant to be. I think it's the, it's the opposite. It's a, because, and including what is funny, uh, like uh, the, the things that the surgeons are saying, is, for me, very clearly, they save our lives. Because they are discussing the cost of an apartment in Paris, if they don't they they vanish, they stop they, they they fall apart, they need to have this kind of distance relation to what they are doing, which is having their half of their arms inside somebody's body to to do whatever they are doing there uh, and this is part of the of the medical process, which is at uh, the same time the mental process. A very technical process, and we see a lot of very uh, uh, situation that relate with high technicity, high technologies of uh, different kind. Something very gross with uh, with uh, uh, the the intestine or with uh, the. (coughs) sorry, inside the brain or or or, or, or whatever, inside the eye, uh, ev- ev- everywhere in the body and the mind, because we also are uh, very close to people with, uh, yeah, very old people with uh, mental disability and weakness and everything. And this is the way the film invites us to circulate among this very different kind of... Uh, body uh, level of body if if this is possible to say this which is for me uh, opening a really a new proposition as strong as leviathan uh, was but partly on a different uh, level or different uh, angle
1: Yeah, and also I think it's maybe we don't have too much time to talk about that. And it's very French, but it's also like it's been done in a very um, crucial times in uh, like recent French uh, history. This is uh, they shot the the whole time of the the attacks, uh, and of course, like the hospitals were a center of that um, of that uh, historical uh, period. Um, and so the film really has a connection to everything that's happening in France uh, the financing of the hospitals the racism uh, that's really uh, taking everything over here it's a film that starts with a graffiti on the wall saying uh, I don't know like something very racist uh, graffiti. Racist yeah. uh, and it ends with a like a beautiful very beautiful last uh, sequence so on, a, on a painting yeah. where there is a which I think speaks to a lot of what we've talked about what the film does I think the film the end ending is, is
3: extraordinary but it also obliquely touches on basically everything we've mentioned in this conversation. So.
0: Yeah. yeah I do want to underline how amazing that ending is. I mean for me that was that's what has lingered. The rest hasn't lingered as much but um, it's set to blue Monday and it's just this I don't know what it is. Is it the w- w- walls of a club?
1: Yeah, it's yeah, a sort of fresco, it but club? it's in, in the cafeteria of the of the is hospital. This, this, but it it really looks like those kind of uh, 60s, uh, 70s, uh porn cartoon yeah. uh, that my parents used to uh, <laughs> uh, collect. But the, th- there is a, there, <laughs> th- there is the same. Our parents. Th- there,
2: th- a lot. <laughs> there is the same pornographic frescoes in every. French hospital. Ah, uh, I, didn't, this I is, didn't know this. this is, and not, it's a, not only the frescoes. These are there are very specific rules of behavior uh, for those who are accepted not everybody is accepted Mm. only doctors and surgeons not the rest of the people who work in the hospital they have to respect very specific rules and this is also part of the way they relate uh, I I don't know how much of this exists elsewhere uh, in other countries but Mm. in France it's pretty well known actually that there is this Sass, this uh, uh, space of, of uh, uh, where they play those weird rules, heavily related with sex mm. uh, and with death and with religion, uh, in the language is in what is written on the walls and the paintings and, and everything, which is a counterpart, maybe more explicit or more even heavily underlined, uh, with the work of uh, of. Uh, Intruding into human bodies uh, to perform whatever is performed in uh, mm. in hospitals.
0: Okay, well, talking about French things. <laughs> uh, <laughs> talking about, no, not French porn, uh, but just um, France, talking about France. Jean-Michel, I know you really liked Annie Nose. Uh, film in the lineup the super eight years Uh, I also loved it I don't know her or the con you know her work or the context that well so I'm really glad that you know you also liked it and maybe you could talk a little about it.
2: Yeah, it's called uh, Our Year Super 8. Uh, actually, it has very little to do with Annie Arno's work as a mm-hmm. writer. She's a very famous writer. She was the author of the novel which turned into the event which was awarded in Venice and then had a significant uh, distribution. The, uh, also, happening in the happening, U.S. Happening, yeah. sorry, uh, in in the U.S. But uh, the, what is interesting, the, the film is it's a very small film and it should be... Regarded as such, uh, that uh, which is using the Super 8 family movies that her mostly her husband her made uh, when in the seventies with the two the two kids, one of them being now the co-director of the film, working with her on the editing. But the, the David. David, David. David Ernaud. Yeah. Uh, but the, the most... Uh, well, the, the strength of the film comes from the voiceover yeah. by Annie Erno because this is really average uh, home movies with absolutely nothing exceptional at all. It's short film.
0: I do wonder if you mean average in the kind of English sense or do you mean average in the mundane sense? Like banal. Yeah.
2: No, it's very banal. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's, okay. uh, yeah. But she, this is the, the banality is... What it's about, mm. and she's discussing very in a very clever way, I think, why do we use a camera to keep memory of this? How does it change what we are filming at this moment in common life? It's not discussion about documentary or uh, and even less about fiction. It's uh, how in our life, the presence of a device to to make images in the conditions of the time where it was more expensive and more complicated to make a film that now with our cell phones. But to a large extent, it works as well as with things we are doing now and how uh, the birthday of the kid becomes a kind of small ceremony which tells a lot you know, on, on, on many things. And she manages, because she's a very good writer, she has a very good use of uh, of words, to put it very simply, very briefly, and very significantly about things everybody does, uh, has been doing for ages, uh, since Patti Bibi, I think, since there was an average uh, camera device, uh, movie device for... for, everybody everyone for, for not not for professional but for right. amateur. matter and and in this sense uh, it becomes very touching because it is for, for me it is uh, uh, addressing what everybody has been doing and questioning it very simply with no despise uh, never to ho- however everyone does it with what he has in mind and how much is we share this this is common so This is so private at the same time
0: mm. Yeah, I mean I I also thought the voiceover just blew me away just cuz it's so beautifully written and it's um I I thought it was interesting that the film is grappling with how a camera changes the way you remember life and even how you celebrate everyday life or how you organize it now around this device that has entered your home. And but at the same time it seems like the voiceover is almost in competition with the moving images where uh it's as if like the moving images can capture something but the voiceover can provide insight in a way the images can't and i i just was very entranced by how that those two strands unfolded you know image and voice sort of vying for vying against each other in a way and i was also very struck by um you know all these scenes that uh, captured their the family's visits to Chile and Morocco and all these other places where they often went for political reasons to, or They for went po- for political
2: reasons I- in Chile yeah. at the time, before the coup, right. uh, to, to be part of a moment of history with the Allende government. But, but it is as well... A testimony of something which has a certain meaning, which has vanished totally now. Which was traveling for middle-class people mm. in the early 70s as a different relation to the world, to belonging to a planet which was not being uh, explored and uh, and visited. And they are they are not rich people, or right. uh, they are not poor either. They are yeah. just re- really middle-class in the. Uh, simple sense. And and uh, it tells a lot of things of what happened in these years. And of course, obviously, what has changed since. And it's a way to question our lives of now uh, considering this.
0: Yeah. And I, I just thought that the way she talks about her time in Chile and Morocco and on the cusp of historical events or trying to understand events that feels so beyond what she was living in France. Mm-hmm. There's such a sincerity to the way she does that that now feels rare. You know, there's a very direct kind of sincere desire to be part of the world, to be part on the, mm-hmm. to be on the right side of history and trying to use the camera and use her words to to participate, but, you know, I'll know that it's, you're, you're a small player in history, ultimately. Um, speaking of French people overseas, <laughs> <laughs>
3: Master, I masterful know. Segue <laughs> 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 Let's
0: talk about fiction which we saw yesterday, um, and I—I I mean, I have to say this—this uh, this is Albert Sarah's latest. It just restored me. I mean, it kind of restored my faith in what cinema can do. It was just so wondrous to watch it uh, toward the end of this long festival. Um, yeah, Dennis, Antoine, Dennis, you interviewed Albert yesterday, which. Film comment listeners hopefully will already have listened to your interview, so lead us in.
3: Yeah, um, I think your phrase, what cinema can do, is precisely Albert Serra's project, you know, and he's been exploring that in different ways uh, for his entire career. Um, and this is, I, I like a lot of his work. Uh, I think this is one of his strongest films. Um, it's there's something exciting about how it it really when I was talking to him yesterday about you know, he we he, he acknowledged that this was both a continuation um of his project but also a departure. Um and yeah, I mean, I, I can try to summarize it, but you should <laughs> feel free to jump in. Uh, it is uh, it is about um, it's it originally titled Bora Bora, which suggests uh, it's a lo- location, um, and retitled Passive Fiction, uh,
1: I think, um, or Pacification pacif- as the uh, speaker of the Pacification, red which
3: also <laughs> works, obviously, being a film about um, the neo post colonial project. Um, but it's, it's yeah.
0: It's playing on passive
3: it's pacific fiction but i think the, the 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 closeness to pacification is also not not you know incidental um and the idea of fiction of course with the film that's founded on like rumor and projection and speculation to a very large degree um okay it's set in uh, south pacific polynesian island is this tahiti? tahiti is where they shot yeah. yeah it's centered on this french high chancellor type figure the man in the white suit uh uh, another man in the white suit a day after Claire Denis, uh film and played um, by Benoit Majumel uh, in I think an extraordinary performance and begins with the arrival uh, on this island with um, you know this um, boat of French marines pulls up a rumor emerges that there's nuclear testing about to restart in the region and it plays like a really like a I mean the genre that it's Part of, or in conversation with, is really like a political thriller. There's a lot of murky intrigue in it, um, but I think there are so many ideas in this film. I, I won't rehash the Albert interview. I hope people listen to it, but you know, it, it sounds like really him pushing his method in terms of like amassing an enormous amount of material, analyzing it, and then shaping it from there. Uh, he really, really pushed it uh, here, um, and I found this, as you said, restorative. Pure cinema, entrancing, um, visionary. Visionary is the word he used to describe it himself, and I did not did not contest it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and uh, I, yeah, for me, it's a clear highlight. I, you know, I'm I'm very happy that w- that I'm that I'm that I'm scheduled at the end of the festival for uh for an appearance on the podcast because for me, having Kelly's film and Albert Albert's film at the end, they they say something to me about what cinema, what a personal cinema can be after a <laughs> after after a festival of what often has seemed like impersonal cinema to be honest uh a, a cinema that is very much about certain formulas uh that I think have been you know that 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 seem very very pronounced this year um so uh I, I'm really happy that that we that 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 we have this um that we're concluding with these two films. I just wanted to mention one thing. I think we stopped the recording before Albert said something great yesterday. Uh, and he said that, uh, you know, we, we continued chatting after I turned it off. And he said, I wanted to bring back the monologue <laughs> in this film, which I think is amazing because like, I think this is a film that's constructed out of like just the most amazing monologues uh, that
1: um, we've seen in cinema in a while. Yeah, for me, it's one of the greatest canned screening I ever attended. Uh, it was really amazing. It's like so many people that were pissed off uh, on the balcony. It was <laughs> Wait, really.
0: I was <laughs> yeah, in the press yeah. screening. So what, tell tell us a little. Uh, I mean, I was, was at the, the I was at
1: the official uh, first, and the balcony yeah. uh, there is more like local uh, people, and uh, sometimes they just get out of the screening five minutes because mm-hmm. all they want is just to uh, walk on the red carpet and then go back. You know, but <laughs> there they were like really really pissed off about uh, about the him and I, and I find it really really impressive uh like really new in his uh really new in his work really big uh in uh, in many ways like it's uh, epic it's epic it's yeah. like michael man and margaret dress uh, at the same time it's uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is the
0: pull quote michael man crossed with margaret Duras. yeah
1: i don't know i'm still trying to wrap my head my head around I thought it was around Sama-esque. it Zamaesque, so totally. M-
0: Lucretia Martel. Totally. But
1: uh, what what I really appreciate in, th- in that bigger uh, setting is like the um, the the fact that he's trying to keep some sense of amateur uh thing during the whole like and and not amateur as like amateur as something uh aesthetic like I we we think of Warhol, of uh, Fassbinder of uh, that kind of thing. You can like uh, you can see the actors are like struggling with the text or maybe they have something in their ear to uh or they improvise or but it's 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 extremely funny to it's extremely funny to watch. Um and I, I'm not seeing anyone who's doing that at that level mm-hmm. uh like being amateur uh it's it's very it's very unsettling and it's very very beautiful but like the whole film is a uh, is like a uh, submarine or underwater experience the Michael man scene uh which uh, it's like the surf scene is like complete when it arrives like you can't Im- yeah. you can't Imagine one second that you're going that Albert Sarah is going to give you something like that, but it's so it's crazy.
0: I'm a sucker for ocean on screen in general and this is up there in the Pantheon. I mean, it's the scale, uh, yeah, I mean, it's so interesting you describe it as a Michael Mann scene because there is almost a blockbuster element to the way he, okay. he films that, but, but right? with the
2: beauty you hardly see in blockbusters, yes. the kind of sense of materiality uh, of the, 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 the water, yeah. the, the, the sense that it's real water. And at the same time, uh, there is a queer character mm-hmm. in the in the film, but for me, it is a great, great queer movie mm-hmm in general, way beyond the fact that one character is a uh, beyond gender definition. Yeah,
0: I think I, I read about that. It's very interesting. I think that character is raised in a tradition yes, in Tahiti yeah, yeah. where yeah. a yeah. biological yeah. male is raised yeah. as a woman, and right? There,
2: there, there is a, yeah. a tradition of this kind of...
0: Humor. And it's completely uncommented upon, right? I didn't yeah. miss anything. In, it just in, is... Yeah. In, I in love all, that.
2: all yeah. the Polynesia islands, there's this kind of person, and this person is... Like this, but for me, it's more like a sign of the way all the film is displacing the codes, the, the f- usual framing, the habits of uh, how you make a political thriller, of how you refer to a thing, and it, it becomes queer more in the sense, I don't, I don't know, like Donna Haraway in a more larger uh, relation to. Change the change, uh, change the rules change the DNA, uh, but uh, to, to, you know, it's a mutant film to 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 uh, to a large extent and, and, and at the same time. Uh, even if it's not a surprise that uh, many people may be reluctant because it is displacing codes they are expecting, uh, it's very accessible. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, uh, the, the storytelling is—it's uh, mm-hmm. okay. There it's, uh, is no—it's nothing abstract so much. Uh, uh, it's it's uh, characters. There is, a, there is a lot of jokes also. Mm-hmm. There is a immense dimension of humor, but uh, and the, the characters are. Uh, Drawn uh, often with a kind of uh, irony, uh, which is very present in the film. So all of this together really uh,
1: provides a huge moment of cinema. Also, for, for a filmmaker that uh, talked about actors in a very uh, <laughs> in a very crude way in the past, like uh, like the work with Majimel is uh, is really amazing. Like uh, it's just, it's a real uh, it's an unseen character uh in any in any movie and the way he reacts to things or you don't even know how he makes it Uh, but the invention of this character is uh, both on a like script level but also on the acting direction level is uh is is truly impressive to to watch and also, like, it's a very, like, um, aesthetically, it's a very pleasing experience. It feels like being in a lava lamp for for three hours. Like, the soundscape is always uh, changing, dancers. Beautiful
0: dances. Yeah. I mean, I have to say, you know, the two films in this festival that I struggled to stay awake for were actually the Kelly Reichert and Albert Sarah. And that's a compliment.
3: That's exactly, that's exactly yeah. I think films have to be good for you to fall asleep in them.
0: So. Well, they but. just, they were so beautiful that they lulled me into this rhythm that, you know, no other film was doing at the festival. And this film in particular, I mean, the sound of the ocean is constant. It's constantly in the background. It's being modulated. And, you know, Jean-Michel, you said it's like queering the political thriller. It's also queering the colonial thriller, you know, and uh it's set in this you know, tropical paradise, and there's a great monologue where he's playing with the terms paradise and hell. Um, but I think there's two sort of categories that films like these often fall into in terms of the setting. Either the setting is exoticized as that kind of tropical paradise, or it's really played down as a drab colony. I just thought that this film captures the you know, beauty, the sheer natural beauty and cultural beauty of the place without turning it into a fetish, you know, it, it's, and I think that comes from the materiality, just stays very true to the material experience of being there and also of being a foreigner there and of being a foreigner with power there, you know, not to make glib comparisons with the Claire Denis, but something that I struggled with in the Claire Denis and we talked about in a prior podcast was this kind of portrayal of white imperial self-absorption at the background of greater political events, which, for me, I couldn't quite buy why I should care about the protagonist when all this stuff is going on in the background, like very unlikable, you know, delusional protagonists. And it just felt like something a lot of movies have done, you know, the the white imperialist who's, like, sort of spiraling in this colonial um, netherland or something. And this well, well, film...
2: Claire Denis is not really... Uh, Praising uh, the behavior of the no, white, uh, the white I, absolutely director. absolutely not. But it? I
0: think that what she's doing also felt a bit passe to me, which is that she is critiquing, but it is through this, you know, sustained focus on the self self absorption of the two characters, which I just didn't care enough about it to stay with them. Yeah, I, mean, I, I mean, it's sh- not like I didn't I like care the about film about
2: her, not about him, but about her. I do. <laughs> yeah,
0: well, I I just couldn't and. In this film, and this is why I thought it was similar to Zama, where it is again about a little bit about self-delusion and it's about like a floundering white imperialist, but the surrounding, the the machinations around him are raised to the same level as his own machinations. Like he is... He is trying to make things happen, but there are lots of things happening around him that he sometimes seems to control, sometimes not. Like he's caught in this larger machine, which comes from the French and like the colonial government, but also the locals. There's activists. The local actors are also incredible, we should say. And the characters are very richly drawn and very present, not necessarily in an instrumental way. It's not like they have a role in the plot, but it accurately captures a sense of you know, this milieu that is not about him, even if the film is about him, You know, even if his monologues are about him. And I just was, I, I don't know, I was just really, really uh, I impressed. would not
2: oppose uh, Claire Denis' <laughs> film with uh, uh, Albert Serra. For me, they are playing in, they are very different and at the same time playing in the same
0: A man field. in the white suit, what can I do? There's two, <laughs> two men in white <laughs> Sorry, suits, no, okay? No,
2: no, not, not only
3: that, <laughs> more than that.
0: Any Any further thoughts on...
3: Uh, just to add to what you were saying about, um, you know, this, how he films this place without exoticizing it, not to plug the interview again, but he did, we did talk on, about that. For him, he said the key is a love-hate relationship, you know, which, like, allows a certain tension and balance to emerge, um, which is also how he works with actors. I think he adores actors, but he also can be quite cruel with, like, how he sort of pushes them. Um, and I think there's this, this tension is, is I think, key to Albert's process and like the films that result from it this um this what you were talking what we've been talking about this sort of a like, weird opacity in the film um with also like this real like clarity and specificity like it, it's very you know and i think that that only comes from the way he films the way he mm-hmm. thinks um and it's exciting mm-hmm. to see You know, I mean, I've spent a lot of this can, like a lot of people complaining about, you know, all kinds of things (laughs) at the general level and certain kinds of familiarity here and there. But I think, you know, we're at the end of the festival and we're talking about two films, uh, at least, um, you know, Duhumani, Corporis Fabrica and Passive Fiction that I think are really thinking about the language of cinema. And that is, I think that's uh, exciting.
0: Seems like a great note to end on. (laughs) now. Any closing thoughts?
2: It's fun. That it's, is. Let's do it thought. this way. Right, yeah. Okay. Yeah. We are
0: out of wine, so. out of wine <laughs> which means we must stop talking. Well, thank you, Antoine, Jean-Michel, and Dennis. This is an incredible wrap-up chat, and I feel I feel buoyed by this. I feel like I'm going to end the night on a very high note. So thank you, thank you and I hope to have you all again on the podcast. Thank you, thank you.
3: Fully.